It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. Question. Will humans wipe out humanity? How many have seen Armageddon, the movie, a giant asteroid hurtling toward Earth, putting the fate of the human race in the balance? But here's the disturbing truth. It hasn't taken a massive rogue meteor to bring the paradigm of perceived perpetual expansion to a very abrupt end, and very possibly the human race with it. From far-left media to far-right media, all are pushing their own agendas while completely omitting any coverage whatsoever about the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face, starting with the ongoing and accelerating global climate intervention operations, a.k.a. weather warfare, which, of course, is the human race destroying itself. From every conceivable direction, the fascists in control on all sides of the scripted political divide are tightening their grip. Wars and rumors of wars. Question, would those who orchestrate the carnage do so if they had to fight in the front lines themselves? Does that question even deserve an answer? Global conflict is the final card of the controllers, a.k.a. those who print the money, those who control militaries, thus they control countries. That's where all roads lead, those who print the money. Headline, the sky's the limit. Cloud seeding emerges as a game changer. That's from Newsbreak.com. Next, cloud seeding grows in U.S. West. That's from many sources, all from this week. And this, cloud seeding on the rise as Rocky Mountain region tackles two-decade-old drought. That's from Fox News. And this, Midwest weather whiplash as snow replaces 80-degree temperatures. Winter weather whiplash. That isn't nature. Search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn what few even want to know until they have to face it. Footnote for the record, obviously if rain is artificially triggered, that means that that cloud moisture didn't get wherever it was naturally headed. Not hard to figure that out. Yet, even now, how many so-called experts continue to pretend that interfering with Earth's life support systems is a good thing and we should do even more of it? So many might ask, is this, a.k.a. cloud seeding, why many portions of the western North American continent had so much rain and snow? Even further east and north in the U.S., there was constant weather whiplash. In many regions, 50 to 60 degree temperature fluctuations in a day. Example, some northern U.S. states that in just over the last week went from record-shattering highs in the 90s to snow back to record-shattering 90-degree temperatures, and back to snow again. Anyone that believes this is nature needs to seriously rethink their perception of reality. But the question remains, are such wild weather swings the result of a few single-engine propeller-driven planes with a few cloud-seeding flares in their wings? That's what people understand to be weather modification. These small aircraft that may emit a few pounds of material into lower-level clouds at best, are such very small-scale operations actually wreaking havoc with the world's weather? Or, given the fact that a single U.S. military jet tanker or converted cargo carrier like a KC-135 can carry a 100 tons of material in a single flight, 
Is it exponentially more rational to conclude that the highly publicized small-scale cloud-seeding propeller-driven planes are, in fact, only used as a means of public distraction from the ongoing global climate engineering insanity? The controllers, the money printers, will do everything in their power to keep populations from realizing whether warfare is being waged on them and their food supplies. They will do everything they can to keep the public from waking up to this fact until the last possible moment. Yes, Armageddon, but not from an asteroid. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News. The end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. More puzzle pieces. Moving on. Later in this broadcast, by the way, green energy. Will it save us? Not so much. A very detailed breakdown of just how non-renewable green energy actually is. And that's not an advocation for carbon fuels. Both are actually inseparable, joined at the hip in many ways. I'll get to that. Next, from freethink.com. The so-called experts are conjuring up more tech to save us from ourselves. Scientists want to dump iron nanoparticles into the oceans to save the planet. That's the headline. The process described in the headline is called ocean fertilization. That's another form of geoengineering. And just as is the case with the ongoing geoengineering in our skies, ocean fertilization isn't just a proposal. It's an ongoing catastrophic reality. The SRM, solar radiation management elements, that the climate engineers disperse over Earth's oceans settle to the sea surface and facilitate ocean fertilization a.k.a. toxically forcing algae booms that siphon off some of the atmospheric CO2 by forcing the seas to absorb it at the cost of killing vast sections of our oceans, further fueling over 500 dead zones that are already expanding and worsening at blinding speed. Again, Canfield Ocean unfolding radically fast. All of this, every form of climate engineering technology is leading to our near-term demise. Geoengineering is like a pharmaceutical industrial complex treatment for the planet. Hide the unwanted symptoms with toxic treatments that cause so many downstream so-called side effects that the original problem pales in comparison to those side effects. Welcome to the Planetary Asylum. Again, as stated a moment ago, also in this broadcast, a very detailed rundown on renewable energy that isn't No, it won't save us from ourselves, nor will the carbon fuel consumption race to the bottom of the barrel, literally. For the record, in the year 1900, it took the energy in one barrel of oil to get a hundred more out of the ground, one for 100. Now, that ratio is one for five, a 95% reduction. And at some point, it will take so much energy to recover energy that it becomes an energy net negative, which means... At that point, there is no point. And the oil that is being recovered is inflicting irreparable damage to the planet in the process. And again, above it all, the shockingly obvious climate engineering atmospheric spraying operations, which the vast majority still seem unable to see because the controllers have told them it isn't so. They've told them to ignore their lying eyes. For how long have how many Americans gulped down whatever the matrix media has dished up to them from any and every side of the manufactured left-right divide 
our so-called government is nothing less than state-sponsored mafia, a state-sponsored crime syndicate run by the money printers. And no matter how many atrocities they continue to carry out, the vast majority of the American populations so far just keep waving their chosen political party flags, pretending they're patriotic, when in so many cases they don't have a clue, when they don't even want to know, much less care, about what their so-called government is and has been doing to them for decades. Moving on, more confirmation of what geoengineeringwatch.org has stated on the record for a decade and a half. New headline from the bulletin.org this week. Faster than forecast, climate impacts trigger tipping points in Earth's system. From that report, could anthropogenic climate change, that's human cause for those that aren't familiar with that term, result in worldwide societal collapse or even eventual human extinction? Question mark. At present, this is a dangerously underexplored topic. Not on geoengineeringwatch.org. In fact, it's our primary topic. Yet the report says there are ample reasons to suspect that climate change, a.k.a. climate collapse, that's the more correct climate term for what is occurring, climate engineering fueling that process, could result, the report says, in global catastrophe. No could, no may, no might, is. They continue. The change may be abrupt or nonlinear. Again, how many times in this broadcast have I tried to make it as clear as I possibly can that the earth changes that are occurring that are absolutely caused by what our species has done to the planet are as nonlinear as they could possibly be. There may be as many as 50 feedback loops triggered already. The bulletin report then says, characterized by a sudden change rather than smooth progress and irreversible on relevant time frames. I've said that more times than I can remember as well, that the damage done cannot now be reversed in any time frame that matters what we're fighting for now is to salvage some part of Earth's remaining life support systems. More from this bulletin report. It may also lead to cascading events in which mutual interaction of individual climate tipping points and or abrupt changes lead to more profound changes to the entire system. This is already happening. Once again, for the record, on this broadcast, I've tried more times than I can remember to sound the alarm about unfolding, cascading collapse scenarios already occurring. There's more. Scientists reported that the Greenland ice sheet glaciers are melting 100 times faster than previously calculated. That's a miss by just a bit, don't you think? The Greenland ice melt is 100 times worse than they thought. Geoengineeringwatch.org knew this was the case. How is it possible that the so-called climate science community didn't know? Because they're paid not to know and not to say. Let's dig a little deeper from this bulletin.org faster-than-forecast report. At higher temperatures... The amount of carbon dioxide absorbed by plants, a.k.a. photosynthesis, will decline sharply, whilst carbon dioxide released by plants, that's respiration, will continue to rise. So much for the false narrative of CO2 is great, the more the better. That's not true. Never was. There are numerous related factors that make this narrative patently false. You can't completely alter atmospheric chemistry in the geologic blink of an eye and expect anything to instantly adapt. And now let's add the ubiquitous contamination of the entire planet, soils, waters, and seas, the decimation of the ozone layer, and the total disruption of weather, climate engineering, core to all of it. The horizon looks dim indeed. Final excerpt from the Bolton Report. There are concerns that focusing on worst-case scenarios, they say, will cause public despair and paralysis. But when risks are existential, it is precisely those high-end possibilities of system collapse 
rather than the middle-of-the-road linear probabilities, which is a moot statement because we're already past that point. We're already over the edge. We're in free fall at this moment. The report says it's the worst-case scenarios that must be the focus of concern and should spur the world to action. That's their conclusion. And here's my question. How's that going so far? It is mind-numbing, completely baffling and bewildering how so many can, even at this late hour, be so completely asleep at the wheel on autopilot, pretending that somehow it will all magically work out, that technology will fix it. Again, how's that going so far? Will more summon the courage to fully face the gathering storm while it can still make a difference? It's now or never. Next from numerous sources, a 27-year study found the amount of insects flying in the air has declined by 75%, but the report says no one knows why, exclamation point. Again, many sources covered this headline, including businessinsider.com. And yes, this is another case of the so-called experts that we're told to trust without question, even though they officially don't have a clue because they're paid not to. And about the 75% decline, it's more like 80 to 90%. Here's several more excerpts of interest from the Business Insider report. They say researchers, aka the so-called experts, aren't sure what's responsible for the decline, but say climate change probably isn't to blame. Is that the best they can do? Really? I challenge anyone listening to this broadcast, search bees aluminum, and you'll find peer-reviewed study to prove that bee colony collapse disorder, a primary causal factor, is massive aluminum exposure. The bees have so much aluminum in them that they literally are exhibiting symptoms that resemble Alzheimer's and dementia in a human being. They can't even find their way back to the hive. Why isn't this headlines everywhere? And yet we have these so-called experts pretending, gee, they really don't know why this is happening. They certainly won't acknowledge climate engineering. And, and the climate changing at this speed isn't a part of the problem? Of course it's a part of the problem. And the change in our climate is not just the many, many forms of anthropogenic activity. It's also climate engineering itself and the contamination that's killing the bees and so many other insects, destroying the ozone layer, which is releasing massive amounts of UV radiation, which is frying the insects, frying the plankton, frying the trees, destroying the earth's oxygen-producing mechanisms, primary being plankton and forests. Atmospheric oxygen content is plummeting rapidly. How long do we think we're going to be here when we're virtually destroying every aspect of the planet's life support systems? The report from Business Insider then goes on with this obvious conclusion. Bird populations are now also in the decline, of course. Obviously, no insects, no birds. And they finish with this. Regardless of the cause, scientists worldwide have been sounding the alarm about declining insect populations for months. Only for months? For the record, again, geoengineeringwatch.org has been sounding the alarm about insect collapse for almost a decade and a half. So much for the so-called science community that is just now eluding to the truth only because the truth can no longer be hidden or denied. From beyondpesticides.org, this, soils in urban and natural lands equally contaminated. Think that that farm out in the middle of nowhere is pristine? Think again. The report says natural areas are often considered more pristine than urban locations, but a new study published in Nature Communications shows that the soils in natural lands can be just as polluted as those in more densely populated cities. The findings underscore the broad impacts that human activity is having on the health and stability of natural systems around the globe. 
They continue, in order to address widespread contamination, advocates urge government regulators, good luck with that, to consider the full cradle-to-grave life cycle of toxic materials before releasing them into the environment. An international contingent of scientists came together to conduct this research on a global scale, looking at soils in every continent. Microplastics were widespread in every soil tested. Microplastics were found to be just as widespread in Antarctic soils as those in all other locations. Again, in addition to plastic trash decomposing everywhere, polymer fibers are a part of the climate engineering elements list, and they are now ubiquitous everywhere. Next, from posttech.ac, the revolt of the plants, the Arctic melts when plants stop breathing. The research team of Posttech's Division of Environmental Science and Engineering and the University of Zurich has confirmed that the increase in atmospheric CO2 concentrations closes the pores, stomata, talked about that many times on this broadcast, of plants in high-latitude areas, thus reducing their transpiration, which ultimately accelerates Arctic warming. The findings were recently published in Nature Communications, a science journal. The stomatal closure effect due to increased CO2 levels is not considered in future climate projections. This means that Arctic warming can, and most certainly will, continue to proceed much faster than current forecasts. Again, as covered earlier in this broadcast, you can't completely alter long-term atmospheric chemistry without consequences. Next, from numerous sources, this is a follow-up report on an ongoing extremely dire scenario. New research sparks concerns that ocean circulations will collapse. They already are. This report states scientists have long feared that warming could cause a breakdown of ocean circulation in the North Atlantic, but new research finds the real risk lies in Antarctica's waters, where melting could disrupt the currents in the next few decades with profound impacts on global climate. It's already happening. It's not somewhere over the horizon. Every single so-called climate science article wants to pacify the populations just a bit longer so that they continue to remain completely asleep at the wheel. It's worked really well so far. That needs to change fast before we impact at full velocity. From scmp.com, scale of glacier loss in Himalayas previously hidden, say scientists, studying accelerated melting. The report says studies of lake terminating glaciers in the third pole, as opposed to not just north and south pole, but the third pole, overlooked 2.7 gigatons of loss. Again, this is another case of the so-called experts not having a clue. Reality was, quote, hidden to them, they say. What about CO2 levels in general, globally? Here we have also from this week. Daily CO2 records hit 424 parts per million at Mauna Loa. That was April 15th of last week, and that was the fifth daily record in 10 days. It's skyrocketing. Once you tilt the scale, it accelerates wildly. And Again, those narratives that CO2 is the gas of life, the more the better. That is not reality. Water, example I always give, necessary, can only last two or three days without it. Go a few feet underwater and stay there and see how long you live. You can't just alter your environment to that degree and expect to survive. Next headline, multiple sources, msm.com being one, same basic theme, all interrelated, all connected to climate engineering. Here's the headline. New study predicts concerning impending change for America's heartland. Few understand the implications this will have. That is part of the headline. Crop loss. Though, of course, climate engineering and its core part of the equation isn't mentioned. 
we're talking about disruption of the hydrological cycle, complete contamination of the soils with elements like aluminum, which peer reviewed study proves impacts root systems. They stop nutrient uptake. That's why Monsanto is engineering aluminum resistant seeds, as if that will really help anything in the end. There's the destruction of the ozone layer, climate engineering, core causal factor again, which is bombarding the planet with extremely high levels of UV radiation, including UVC. All of this adding up to a destruction of our food supply. Then there's the flash flood, flash drought, flash freeze, climate engineering scenarios that are targeting agricultural producing regions. We are on a very limited time scale on this road. You can quote me on that. Oil wars and climate wars, both ongoing. Both will continue to escalate. Here's an overall planetary picture from many sources. World records 529th straight month of above average heat. And, and El Nino is brewing on top of that. March of 2023 was the planet's second warmest month in recorded history. Again, second warmest month globally of any time of the year. And that's in spite of the fact that we see temperatures being falsified to the downside we have the data skewing that occurs when climate engineering engineered winter events skew the temperatures by creating a surface cold and how many in america north america especially western north america would say that can't be it was so cold 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 this year here's a challenge for everyone listening to this broadcast go to the post of this broadcast under the recent column at geoengineeringwatch.org should be up by late this afternoon and scroll down through that post and look at the global departure from normal high temperature map that is there for the month of March. It is truly shocking. The only below normal region in the entire world for the entire month of March overall was a section of North America. Everything else on the planet is red at above or far above global temperatures. That's the global picture. So for those that are in the engineered cool-down events that are being pacified by the climate engineers and their engineered weather mayhem, that is not a snapshot of the entire world. Look at this map and try to digest it, and that is a shocking harbinger of the degree that the world's largest military, a.k.a. the U.S. military, is going to to try to confuse and divide their own population as to the true state of the climate until the last possible moment. The heavily armed U.S. population that doesn't seem to want to get a clue and that seems to think that their weapons will save them from what's coming. It won't. If we don't deal with what's happening in our skies, we're done. And I don't care how many guns you own, it won't save you. Next headline from another AccuWeather climate engineering cover-up cast of disinformation actors. Topsy-turvy temperatures weaken storminess in store for the Northeast. This headline states residents across the Northeastern United States have been riding a temperature roller coaster as high temperatures soared to summer-like levels only to abruptly plummet back to the chillier conditions. Went over this in the beginning of this broadcast. 90s, record highs to snow. Back to 90s, record highs again, back to snow. That is absurdly wrong, and it is certainly not nature. Again, stop and consider that those who control the matrix will continue to use every tool at their disposal to cover the tracks of the climate engineering assault, because the moment the shockingly obvious atmospheric spraying operations are fully exposed, the moment the official denial is shattered, the whole of the so-called climate science community will also be exposed for what they are, in far too many cases, paid liars or criminally ignorant of the very field of study in which we are told they are experts. To reiterate, 
There are only two possible explanations for the official denial of climate engineering by the so-called experts. They are either lying or criminally clueless. Take your pick. Please, look up, use your sense of reason, do your own research, connect the dots, and please join us in the fight to expose and halt global weather warfare. Never underestimate what you can do to help trigger the landslide of awakening that we so desperately need to happen. Search the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn specific details about how you can help to move this fight forward. Next, AccuWeather. Wet, wintry weather to chill northwestern U.S. this week. Temperatures will rival levels more typical of the middle of winter. And as you're listening to these headlines, wait for the ones that are coming, that are truly shocking, the unbelievable contrast to what's been done to us here in the U.S. That's from AccuWeather climate engineering cover-up actors. They say locations closer to the coast in Washington, Oregon, and northwestern California could even rival record low daytime temperatures. Snow levels will be at past level. Here's another. Summer who? Question mark. Reality check underway for central eastern U.S. This is part of the weather whiplash, winter weather whiplash scenarios I've been describing. AccuWeather forecasters say a wide swath of the nation will experience a temperature crash through the early week. Dozens of daily high temperature records were broken or even shattered from Minneapolis to Boston, followed by snow, followed by more record highs, followed by even more snow. Yeah, we've been over that. If you're willing to learn more about how climate engineering creates these kinds of scenarios, please search geoengineeringwatch.org. Geoengineering is creating freeze-fry extremes. The data is beyond alarming. As previously outlined in this broadcast, when a surface flow of chemically cooled surface air is being pushed east from the Pacific, as has been the case so much in recent weeks and months, and this air mass has collided with a manipulated flow of warm air and moisture from the record-warm Gulf of Mexico, atmospheric instability occurs. Cyclonic rotations follow, a.k.a. tornadoes. And the entire process just described is part of our now-new winter storms that have a warm side and a cold side. Did nature ever produce winter storms with warm sides? Short answer, no. Next from multiple sources, 880 inches of snow helps pull Utah out of short-term drought. An all-time record snow for many locations of Utah. The state, they say, is no longer under extreme drought conditions for the first time in nearly three years, thanks to heavy snow this winter, which piled up over 73 feet at one resort. For the record, 880 inches of chemically nucleated frozen material will only, in the end, make an already bad scenario worse still. From alaskapublicmedia.org, will heavy snow cover dampen Alaska's fire season? Question mark. Experts say don't count on it. From that report, this quote, there is absolutely zero relationship between snowpack at the state level and subsequent fire season severity. There you have it. More wildfires are on the schedule. Count on it. Search the Engineering Wildfire section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn what few want to know. Search this title specifically, one of our most important reports, Wildfires Serve Geoengineering Agenda. New from the UK Guardian revealed more than 1,000 metric tons of microplastics rained down on U.S. parks and wilderness areas. A survey of 11 remote western locations found that over the year, the fragments had traveled through the atmosphere like rain. No, they are in the rain part of climate engineering operations. We have the entire climate science community 
systematically covering the tracks of the climate engineers. From Watchers.News, severe weather and severe hailstorms wrought havoc on southern Brazil from April 16th to 17th, causing floods and damage to hundreds of homes. Massive hail, now the norm. So many locations. Chemical ice nucleation operations start this process far sooner and at far higher temperatures than it normally would begin. Thus, you have massive hail now so often. Thus, you have the ice storm transition zone between the so-called warm side of the so-called winter storm and the cold side. None of this is historically precedented or natural. None of it. And these are patented processes. Chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Please search this geoengineeringwatch.org title. Extensive list of patents. Comb through that and see just how long this technology has been ongoing and developing. From phys.org, northeastern Spain suffers one of its worst droughts in decades, and they always pretend it's happened before, so people think it can't be that bad if it happened before. Common practice. From science.org, a related fire factor. A global transition to flash droughts under climate change. The report says the concept of flash droughts was proposed at the beginning of the 21st century. Again, as they knew they would be ramping up climate engineering operations, they had to program the population to accept it. They say a significant global transition to flash droughts is driven by regional increases in flash drought. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? The transition toward more frequent flash droughts presents challenges for unraveling the anthropogenic influence, starting with climate intervention operations, which are the single greatest drought-causing factor on the planet, period. Please search the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. What we said would happen in presentations as long as 10 years ago, like engineered drought catastrophe target California, exactly what we stated is exactly what happened until this year when the script was changed. And that's exactly what happened. Perhaps some of the insiders in California began to push back once they realized why their state was being decimated and what was the core causal factor. Next headline, multiple sources. Methane from megafires, more spew than we knew. That's the headline. That's from news.com. UCR.edu. Using a new detection method, UC Riverside scientists found a massive amount of methane, which is a super potent greenhouse gas coming from wildfires, a source not currently being accounted for. There is so much that has not been included in any modeling so that the modeling would not show the true severity of what's unfolding, and that is not an accident. That is intended across the board. The IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, largest scientific panel ever created on human history on any subject, is nothing more than a public pacification panel whose job it is to downplay the severity of what's unfolding. On that note, this headline from this week, heat waves scorch India. Again, remember, it's only April. What will July be like? Another headline, same theme, this one from APNews.com. India's heat is underestimated, like everything else, it seems. Harming progress, study says. From the report, the full extent of the damage from India's sizzling heat that's causing more deaths, illnesses, school shutdowns, and crop failures is underestimated by lawmakers and officials in the country and slowing the nation's development, a study said Wednesday of this week. Extreme heat is placing 80% of India's 1.4 billion population in danger. They continue, India's states are burning up under extreme temperatures and already heat-stressed regions are experiencing a growing number of days in near-unlivable temperatures. How many in Western North America have any clue 
of what's going on in other places of the Northern Hemisphere. No clue at all while they're under the chemical ice nucleation engineered winter scenarios. And the unlivable temperatures, it's called the wet bulb effect, the combination of temperature and humidity that is intolerable to the human body. Surface humidity levels are rising in many regions along with humidity levels. And when excessive temperatures are combined with high humidity levels, the human body's cooling mechanism sweat no longer evaporates, thus doesn't provide cooling. Overheating and mortality can and will follow once the wet bulb effect is extreme enough. On that note, from the Climate Engineering Cover-Up Agency, AccuWeather.com. Thailand notches highest temperature on record as monster heat wave roasts Southeast Asia. From this report, an extreme and sprawling heat wave has enveloped Southern Asia since last week, and numerous all-time record high temperatures have fallen. Temperatures in parts of Bangladesh, China, India, and Thailand have been regularly exceeding 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Thailand set an all-time record high for any time of year, 114 degrees Fahrenheit. This is absolutely inconceivable any time of year, let alone April in Thailand. This next excerpt is very important to consider. Quote, the heat wave is caused by a building large ridge of high pressure that reached from the Bay of Bengal to the Philippine Sea. A high pressure heat dome, the exact atmospheric condition that ionosphere heater installations like HARP in Alaska can and are manipulating and thus pushing surface temperatures even higher than they would have already otherwise been on a planet that's spiraling into a state of total meltdown with climate engineering again further fueling the fire 114 degrees in april in the northern hemisphere if that doesn't scare you it should the hottest day ever recorded in that region of the world ever at any time of year and it's only april and obviously humans aren't the only life form that's in danger here's another not so fun fact photosynthesis stops at 140 degrees fahrenheit and slows considerably far before that point No photosynthesis, no life. A message to all those that delusionally believe the planet will continue to magically support life and the human race, no matter what we do to it. Time to wake up. The party's over. The entire global climate system has long since been completely derailed and tainted by climate engineering operations, not just geoengineering jet aircraft spray dispersions, not just powerful ground-based frequency transmitters, whole networks of them that are centrally controlled, which can only mean intergovernmental cooperation is taking place, even between nations with otherwise adversarial relations. It cannot be otherwise. Search geoengineeringwatch.org Massive Senate document for 800 pages of proof of such global cooperation. In summary, the planet is broken. The ever-increasing weight of the human race can no longer be maintained. The controllers of the matrix are acutely aware of this fact, as they should be, since they are the ones most responsible for what we're all about to face. They, the predator class, are more desperate than ever to control and thin the herd before the herd fully awakens and turns on them, taking to the streets with their proverbial pitchforks and torches. Immediately after this short broadcast announcement, the untold truth about so-called renewable energy that absolutely isn't. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 402, April 22nd, 2023. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on 22 AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. 
Children Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities, now with almost 1.5 million views on YouTube. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of The Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. How do we reach those that still aren't looking up? Geoengineering Watch Awareness Raising Materials can be found on our homepage. Our only goal, to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high-quality printed color materials with shocking images. A picture's worth a thousand words, as the proverb goes. And we pass these printed materials on for less than our cost of producing and shipping. Again, our only goal, to move this fight forward. We now have new Geoengineering Watch hoodies and shirts, both very high-quality four-color images on both sides. The images of a military tanker descending down over the planet and spraying. A dimming sun is in the background with this caption, big red letters, stop climate engineering, investigate, and below that, geoengineeringwatch.org so people can find a credible source of data. Scannable business cards and bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out. As we awaken those involved, military and defense contractors, so that they and their families know what they're participating in, their own demise. If you're willing to share a picture of yourself with a Geoengineering Watch shirt or hoodie, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street downtown, please send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. This battle is a team effort. If we can awaken the masses, we could yet alter the equation. My deepest gratitude to all those that are steadfastly committed to this must-win fight for all that matters. Again, stay tuned for more input on how to make your voice heard. Now, about so-called renewable energy that isn't. From the Manhattan Institute, Mines, Minerals, and Green Energy, a reality check. That report, any significant expansion of today's modest level of, quote, green energy will create an unprecedented increase in global mining for needed minerals, radically exacerbating existing environmental and labor challenges in emerging markets where many mines are located and dramatically increase U.S. imports and the vulnerability of America's already floundering energy supply chain. None of that bodes well for an already dying empire, does it? As recently as 1990, the U.S. was the world's number one producer of minerals. America is now 100% dependent on imports for some 17 key minerals, and for another 29, over half the domestic needs are imported. Constructing wind turbines and solar panels to generate electricity, as well as batteries to fuel electric vehicles, requires on average more than 10 times the quantity of raw materials as compared with building machines using hydrocarbons to deliver the same amount of energy to society. Not that hydrocarbon fuels are environmentally friendly or in any way sustainable. They are neither. A single electric car contains more cobalt 
than a thousand smartphone batteries. The blades on a single large wind turbine contain more plastic than five million smartphones. A solar array facility that can power a single data processing center uses more glass than 50 million phones. Replacing hydrocarbons with so-called green energy under current plans, never mind aspirations for far greater expansion, will vastly increase the mining of numerous critical rare earth minerals from all over the world. For example, a single electric car battery weighing a thousand pounds requires extracting and processing as much as 500,000 pounds of materials. When averaged over a battery's life, each mile of driving an electric car consumes five pounds of earth. Think about that. Oil, natural gas, and coal are needed to produce the concrete, steel, plastic, and purified minerals used to build so-called green energy. The energy equivalent of 100 barrels of oil is used in the process to fabricate a single battery that can store the equivalent of one barrel of oil. By 2050, if we make it that far, which we won't, with current plans, the quantity of worn-out solar panels, much of it non-recyclable, will constitute double the tonnage of all today's global plastic waste, along with over 3 million tons per year of unrecyclable plastics from worn-out wind turbine blades. Even by 2030, again, another date that is irrelevant at this point, more than 10 million tons per year of batteries will become toxic waste. All machines wear out, and there's nothing actually renewable about green energy anything due to the continual extraction of materials that is necessary to build new ones and to replace those that wear out. All this requires mining, processing, transportation, and ultimately the disposing of millions of tons of materials, much of it functionally or economically unrecyclable. Assuring access to the minerals that undergrid society is a very old concern, one that's woven through history and has previously precipitated wars. In the modern era, U.S. policies to address mineral dependencies date to 1922, when Congress, in the aftermath of World War I, developed a list of 42, quote, strategic and critical materials for the technologies and machines important to militaries at the time. The materials extracted from the earth to fabricate wind turbines, solar panels, and batteries to store grid electricity or power electric vehicles are located at remote quarries, mine sites, and mineral processing facilities around the world. Those locations matter in terms of geopolitics and supply chain risks, as well as environmental terms. Before considering the supply chain, it's important to understand the scale of material demands. For green energy, it all begins with the fact that such sources are land-intensive and very diffuse. For example, replacing the energy output from a single 100-megawatt gas-fired turbine, itself about the size of a residential house, producing enough electricity for 75,000 homes, requires at least 20 wind turbines, each one about the size of the Washington Monument, occupying some 10 square miles of land. Again, for the record, I'm not in any way endorsing carbon-based energy, which is also unsustainable. I'm simply leveling just criticism of so-called renewable energy that isn't. Building giant wind turbines consumes enormous quantities of conventional materials, including concrete, steel, fiberglass, along with less common materials, including, again, rare earth elements. 
building a single 100 megawatt wind farm, never mind thousands of them, requires some 30,000 tons of iron ore and 50,000 tons of concrete, as well as 900 tons of non-recyclable plastics for the huge turbine blades. With solar hardware, the tonnage in cement, steel, and glass is 150% greater than for wind for the same energy output. If episodic sources of energy, a.k.a. wind and solar, are to be used to supply power 24-7, even greater quantities of materials will be required. It would be necessary to build additional so-called green energy facilities roughly two to three times as many in order to produce and store when the sun and wind are available for use in times when they are not. And we have no current means of storing that excess power when there is excess. Also for the record... Climate engineering, as I've stated in this broadcast so many times, is greatly diminishing all three forms of alternative energy, wind, solar, and hydro. For the record, anyone that's supporting any so-called environmental organization that's pushing this green energy that isn't and denying climate engineering, they don't deserve a cent of your support. They don't deserve a moment of your time, unless or until they start to tell the truth. The world currently mines about 7,000 tons per year of neodymium. For example, one of the numerous key elements used in fabricating the electrical systems for wind turbines. Currently, clean energy scenarios imagined by the World Bank and many others would require a 1,000 to 4,000% increase in neodymium supply in the coming several decades. While there are differing underlying assumptions used in various analysis of mineral requirements for green energy, all reach the same range of conclusions. For example... The mining of indium used in fabricating electricity generating solar semiconductors will need to increase as much as 8,000%. The mining of cobalt for batteries will need to grow 300 to 800%. Lithium production used for electric cars, never mind the grid, will need to rise more than 2,000%. The Institute for Sustainable Futures at the University of Technology, Sydney, Australia, last year analyzed 14 essential metals to building so-called clean tech machines, including that the supply of elements such as nickel, dysposium, and tellurium will need to increase up to 600%. The implications of such remarkable increases in the demand for energy minerals have not been entirely ignored, at least not in Europe. A Dutch government-sponsored study concluded that the Netherlands' green ambitions alone would consume a major share of global mineral. Thus, Exponential growth in global renewable energy production capacity, the study noted, is not possible with present-day technologies and annual metal production. Translation, the entire renewable energy will save us from ourselves narrative is total deception, smoke and mirrors. The shocking statistics on the subject of renewable energy that isn't don't end there. More in the next broadcast. Let's cover a few more headlines on the damage already done. From science.org this week, wildfire smoke destroys stratospheric ozone. From that report, these injected smoke particles have produced unexpected and extreme perturbations in stratospheric gases beyond any seen in the previous 15 years of measurements. That doesn't sound good, does it? And for the record, climate engineering particles do exactly the same. Search geoengineering is destroying the ozone layer to learn more. Here's a follow-up report from the UK Guardian. A wake-up call. Total weight of wild mammals less than 10% of humanities. 
From elephants to tigers, study reveals scale of damage to wildlife caused by transformation of wilderness and human activity. We are trashing the planet in the geologic blink of an eye. It cannot continue. It will not continue. From BBC this week, yellow dust. Sandstorms bring misery from China to South Korea. At the height of the recent sandstorm, the concentration of fine dust, or PM10, in the Chinese capital was 46 times the recognized health limit. 46 times, and that isn't even taking into account the nanoparticles from climate engineering that are blended into all of it. Next, this from multiple sources. Record rise in China's sea levels threatens coastal cities like Shanghai. Report says a new NASA study indicates sea level rise is already happening and it's more dramatic than we thought, like everything else, isn't it? Way worse than the experts thought. From the UK Guardian, without the ice cap, we cannot live. That's the headline. The Andes community devastated by climate crisis. What's happening? Their glaciers, their water source, completely imploding. New from NPR, this How Disappearing Ice in Antarctica Threatens the U.S. Florida isn't the only state with coastal cities that will soon be uninhabitable for more reasons than just sea level rise. This NPR report states Galveston, Texas has some of the fastest sea level rise in the world. To protect the city, engineers need to know how fast ice in West Antarctica will melt. Scientists are racing to figure it out. They can't seem to figure anything else out, can they? Until it's blatantly obvious to anybody, then they mention it. If I seem completely disillusioned with so-called academia, it's only because I am. Here's another example from calmatters.org. Can California really make power grid 100% green? I think we already answered that question. We'll answer it even further next week. Total deception. More on the same subject. New from the U.S. Department of the Interior, Biden-Harris administration approves clean energy transmission project in Arizona and California with potential to lower costs for consumers. More total deception. Pacify populations till the brutal bitter end. Here's another headline. Same theme, multiple sources this week. New transmission line will modernize energy infrastructure, strengthen grid reliability, and improve efficiency for millions of customers. Total deception pacify populations until the moment of impact. That's what's occurring. Feed their normalcy bias. Keep them asleep at the wheel. Over the last 20 years, I've warned of coming collapse, a conclusion based entirely on all available frontline data. I stand fully by my warnings, all of them. But now, collapse is no longer coming. It's well underway. In fact, in 37 countries around the globe and counting. What will it take to shatter the epidemics of denial Delusion, normalcy bias, Stockholm Syndrome, and ultimately, for far too many, moral bankruptcy. As the ongoing carbon fuel carnival decimates what's yet left of our lands and our seas. No functional habitat, no people, and above it all, the weather warfare rages on. When I now see images of dead marine mammals washed up on beaches all over the world, I feel deep anguish. I feel anger. I feel rage. And I feel sorrow. I feel moved to fight for whatever is still struggling to survive until my last breath. In years long past, in what has long since felt like a former life for me, I spent so many days and nights diving in solitude along the secluded shores of all the Channel Islands off the coast of California. And viewing the symphony of life in the then-thriving kelp forest, I would swim 
silently on top of the kelp forest canopy. Golden shafts of glistening, unimaginably beautiful beaming light down through the kelp stalks. So many varieties of fish. There were sea lions and bat rays. There was so much life surrounding me there. There were times in the dead of night with my dive light turned off. I was witness to an even more mystical and mesmerizing display. I would often descend many meters and lay silently on the bottom, facing the surface, pitch black, listening and gazing into the darkness and a faint glimmer of moonlight, sometimes visible on the rolling sea surface above me. Around me, as my eyes would adjust to the darkness, the show would begin to emerge. Passing and circling fish disturbed bioluminescent plankton. It was like watching a meteor shower. When an occasional seal would circle and swim by, it was like viewing a comet in deep space, a glimmering glow of sparks and fire streaming around the sleek form of the sea lion, as curious of me as I was of him. The only sound, my breathing slow and relaxed to extend my time on the bottom with the limited air in my dive tank. What an unbelievably miraculous display it all was and always for me ending far too soon. Each breath becomes more difficult as the dive tank empties. Once I had exhausted my air supply, I would return to the surface and float there and gazing up at the dark night sky and the heavens above me often in the late night hours as the sea gently rocked me back and forth, silence, indescribable beauty. But for how much longer? Even then, in the depths of my own mind, of my own conscience, I knew it was all in danger. I knew I had a duty to do my part, to try my best, to defend what I could on this miracle planet. All of us, each of us, are absolutely essential and indispensable in this most important battle for all that we hold dear. We're fighting a cancer, an element of the criminally corrupt and clinically insane that have long since taken control of governments and industry, of militaries, but that cancer could not carry out its agendas and objectives without the active or passive support of majority population. This must change, or we have no chance. The controllers are doing their best to demonize those who show the courage to question. The conspiracy theorist term is itself the final fallback of the factless and the fearful. Courage is contagious. Be the light in the darkness. Others will follow. If we summon our courage, if we stand together, if we make our individual voices heard, we may yet make a quantum leap in the right direction. We may yet make a profound difference, even at this late hour. We're playing the grandest game of chess. We must learn to play well, effectively, and efficiently. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. Please, make your voice heard. Make every day count. Time is not on our side. Until next week, forward into the gathering storm. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org.